Hello and welcome to In Theory, the podcast that uses theory to help us explain the world around us. I'm Naren Khan. And I'm Maria Sachiko Sassiri. Today we're talking about women on the internet. Specifically, we're talking about women who experience trolling and all sorts of ick online. In other words, yeah, yeah, in other words, women on the internet. Right? <laughs> That's a sad laugh. That really That's is sad. sad laugh. I yeah. mean, I think, right, how many women have not ever experienced some kind of harassment or belittling online? Not many, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, per- perhaps it is the case... Um, that those who write or speak professionally get more. Um, but this does seem to be a problem that reaches, you know, many people and many women who have any voice online. Yeah. I think harassment and trolling doesn't just impact women, and we can talk a little bit about that um, and why. Absolutely. Um, the internet really brings out all of the crazies and encourages them to to be and to live and to engage really negatively. And I think... You know, it's you know the anonymity is a huge part of that. The ability to say what you really think and to really feel like when other people pile on that you're a part of something bigger that identifies with your challenges. Like other folks really identify with you. Yeah, and it allows marginal voices to um, come out harshly against somebody, right? Protected by the anonymity and supported by a group, right? And we've seen this in all kinds of different situations. Yeah, and it can be good sometimes, right? Like part of the internet, the fact that, you know, there's anonymity and people can protest, people that haven't been able to be published or have voices in the past, like they're afforded that opportunity. And so it's part of the beauty, right? Like you have the the great examples of like political dissonance and, you know, other folks, but then you have crazy, narcissistic, violent uh, angry people directing their anger in very tangible ways at others. Yeah, that's absolutely the the dark side of this kind of freedom, right? And the wonderful opportunities that the internet affords for more voices. Yeah. So I guess I want to start by sharing a story uh, that really caught my attention. This is several years old, and it's probably didn't come across most people's radars because it's just a food blogger, um, a gluten-free food blogger. <laughs> uh, I you know don't usually follow gluten-free food blogs, but this came to my attention because of the story that this blogger was telling. So the blog post is called Warm Brown Rice and Grilled Vegetable Salad. Edgy. Edgy, Real right. Edgy. Yeah, doesn't yeah. really seem to lend itself to a discussion of cyberbullying. And in this piece, the blogger, um, Gluten Free Girl, talks about her experiences at a food blog conference and this lovely warm brown rice and grilled vegetable salad meal that she's giving a recipe for. Um, and then about halfway through the piece, she stops and says, you know, is this the whole story? Um, no, it's not. And then tells the shadow story of how, you know, the entire day at the conference, 
Um, she was receiving barrages of online threats and insults about her weight, about her choice of recipe, about her parenting, you know, just insane, really offensive feedback that, you know, has no bearing really on what it is that she's doing. People were literally making fun of her baby's appearance, like her 10 month old baby's appearance. Just unacceptable. I don't, I don't, I can't. I can't understand that. And I guess for me, it was, it was such an interesting piece because of the way in which this person was doing something that is just so inoffensive. Yeah. Right? Totally and, benign. And yet it still is able to call up such a wave of vitriol from people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, although she doesn't really say anything about the gender of those who are writing into her, um, what is really evident is the gendered nature of the insults. Yeah. Right, so about her weight, about her parenting, about her appearance, right? Um, these are all things that have to do with the ways in which we expect a woman to look or behave yeah. um, in order for her to be socially acceptable. Yeah. Right? Um, I think, you know, kind of more broadly, I can imagine that it speaks to a feeling that people might have that, like, women shouldn't be profiting off of or like talking publicly about things in the domestic sphere that they should just be doing. Like, why are they special to be able to talk or tell other people about their daily lives? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just like maybe one aspect of it. And I can also imagine kind of what you said, like she doesn't talk about the gender of the perpetrators necessarily, but there's no question that her behaviors and like what she's doing, being in the domestic sphere, um, somehow like, like really strike a chord with people. Absolutely. And I, and I think this, all of this speaks to the fact that the internet opens up spaces for people to speak who previously perhaps did not have a platform to speak, right? And what happens when some of the people who take that opportunity are people who we've traditionally expected to be quiet? Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So in this case women, homemakers, right? <laughs> Regular cooks in their kitchens. Yep. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of reasons that people get cyberbullied. But for me, one of the standout underlying causes of so much vitriol being directed at women on the internet has to do with misogyny, yeah. right? The fear and hatred of women and the unhappiness with them speaking about anything, yeah. whether it's cooking or feminism, yeah. um, and that needing to be uh, curbed, c- curbed, controlled, shut down, shut down, yeah, totally, reacted to, um, yeah, totally. So I guess we wanted to start off with, you know, something that's like totally and obviously benign and doesn't make sense. Um, but I think there's a whole another strand of this kind of conversation that's been happening over the last couple of years with like women bloggers um, and specifically women who write about gender. Um, the people that react to them, the kind of consistent um, anger and vitriol directed very obviously by men at them is totally shocking. And the real... Um, 
the real physical threats of violence are also shocking. So um, Amanda Hess had a really popular article in the Pacific Standard last year where she recounted uh, you know, an experience she had, a specific threat from someone on Twitter where someone, you know, not only said, I'm going to come and kill you, but like, hey, I have a history of violence. I'm going to find you and I'm going to be the person responsible for your death. God. And she talks about the fact that she called the police and literally the police officer was like, uh, so yeah, what's Twitter? And I mean, that's a whole separate thread to talk about. Mm-hmm. But the fact that people who, who write about gender stuff on the internet um, I guess it's not shocking, given the fact that people react to a food blogger in that way, that someone who talks about gender on the internet, you know, is going to, is going to receive kind of more magnified threats. But I don't, I don't know what we make of this. Like, I, I really want to th- start to think about like, what, like why it is that like women experience this disproportionately. And, um, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about like some other examples too. Absolutely. And, you know, and what can we do about it? Yeah. Right. And often the response is. Just ignore it. Yeah. Right? And that's a whole other conversation to get into, right? Yeah. How, do we, how, how can we ask people to just ignore threats to their personal safety, threats to the lives of their families? So let's talk about that. Like, are are those threats real? And do women experience those threats, you know, in, in, a, in a way different than men? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. So um, one of the things that we came across that I thought was really helpful was a Pew study um, from 2014 um, that's looking into cyberbullying, and it's you know covers a whole range of different information about cyberbullying. Um, but a couple of stats really stood out for me. Um, in particular, um, the fact that harassment against women tended to be much harsher mm-hmm. um, and more frightening. Um, so, so the the some of the harassment that women receive is in the spheres of kind of sec- like threats of sexual violence, stalking, and that's that you know that specific physical threat against women. Yeah, especially young women. So for women 18 to 24, um, 26% of young women who have been harassed have been stalked online, and 25% were the target of online sexual harassment, right? That is a lot of young people being told frightening things, right, that particularly pertains to either their physical safety or also their kind of appearance and sexual... I mean, it just... And it's... I mean, it's worse... It's, it's made even worse with, you know, realizing that those threats are actually real in that they're experienced by women in a way that they're not experienced by men. Mm-hmm. So the threats of physical violence against women, like, like women actually experience uh, or women are attacked more frequently than men are, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the actual numbers of... Um, you know, women, again, in this younger age range, 15 to 44, they're more at risk from rape and domestic violence than cancer, car accidents, war, and malaria, um, according to World Bank data. So it's it's real, It's right? real. So you have, so it's not something, it's not irrational to take those things seriously if in your lived experience, like, these threats could be made, you know, could be acted upon. Absolutely. Um, and similarly, like, you know, women experiencing insecurity in the workforce, like that's that's a real thing too. Like women are in kind of a more precarious position in terms of their employment. Absolutely. So, you know, women who are being harassed, for instance, like Amanda Hess for writing this piece, um, her 
potential, right, anxiety about people um, responding negatively to her work or harassing her about her work is not just her taking it too seriously or being oversensitive. Um, a number of different studies have shown that women are penalized for not seeming nice in the workplace. And for someone who writes online, the internet is their workplace, right? So if you make people angry, you're putting yourself in a precarious position in the place where you work. So uh, a record study from 2008 showed that women um, were more likely to be judged for social skills in addition to their competence, whereas men were not held to the same standard. And similarly, women who um, tried to be more aggressive in the workplace um, in terms of negotiating, uh, they were more likely to be punished for it than men who tried to negotiate. And that's from a Harvard and Carnegie Mellon study. So, I mean, all of this basically says, like, if you're telling women to calm down, to, like, not worry about it, like, your your advice is severely misplaced because women experiencing these threats have very good reason to be concerned. Exactly. And being anxious about writing on the internet, um, you know, this takes up time and energy. Right. So a sociologist, Arlie Russell Hochschild, wrote a book called The Managed Heart in which she defines a term emotion work, right? And the idea of emotion work, right, is that you have to put energy into creating a kind of facial bodily display um, in the work place that shows that you are fine, right? That yeah. you are doing well and kind of putting work into um, seeming to be happy. Yeah. And if you're writing online, that kind of emotion work maybe doesn't necessarily have to be carried in your face, but it has to be carried through a host of other cues. So the way that you write, the way that you comment, the way that you respond or the way that you don't respond. Yeah. And those kinds of decisions take so much mental energy. Yeah. I mean, who has not had to manage how to reply to someone on social media or over email and agonized over how to do it? Right. And if it's kind of a barrage, I think some people can feel like you get desensitized and like, you know, you start to just ignore it and get used to it. But I really feel like you, you that sort of, those sorts of feelings can actually aggregate and magnify and you know, manifest in other parts of your life. But it really, like, em emotion work can actually be broader. Like, I think it takes a toll on you, like, aside from emotion, like, it, you know, in terms of your time to respond to these things individually. Are you reporting all of your threats? Are you investigating them? Do you have to communicate them consistently to authorities or other folks? Are you... You know, is it affecting your day? Like, I, like, when I'm nervous, I literally can't think. Yeah. Like, I can't get it together to, like, write a sentence. Totally. And if this is your bread and butter, good luck. Good luck dealing with it. Um, if you've had other, if you've experienced other types of violence, like, you, this could be triggers for other sorts of things that are going on. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's, I think it makes it so much more difficult, right, because we say we want there to be more... Uh, diverse voices, yeah. right, who are writing and speaking in our media. Mm -hmm. But when women's voices are systematically responded to in these kinds of truly frightening ways, um, and then we're asking these women to just ignore yeah. what ends up being an enormous burden of emotion mm -hmm. work, um, that's just, it's just not a level playing field by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And it might even dissuade people who, you know, from even entering the space, right? Like, you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Like, you know, you've, everyone's clicked through comments. You know how crazy they can get. It really makes people, it certainly would make me think twice before putting things out there. Absolutely. You know, it makes you overly cautious. And, you know, if if women, young women, maybe women of color, like other, you know, other different groups of people are experiencing this disproportionately, 
it sucks because they're probably the more underrepresented voices in the first place. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I have thought, I mean, I have thought twice about a number of occasions about posting certain articles on my Facebook feed, right? on Twitter, just based on the kind of response I know that I'm going to get back. And that is from, you know, on Facebook, that's from people that I choose to be right? friends with. <laughs> people you actually know. Yeah. And I already know in advance the, some of the kind of pushback and yeah. often personal attacks that could come with sharing certain views. Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, of course, you want to try to steer a middle ground, but the fact to be afraid of sharing something you genuinely believe. Yeah. That not good. It's totally not good. And especially because of the like the 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 internet is our like can in for for many folks be our social world. Like it's it's another social world. It's yeah. literally like the earth walking around, except for ideas walking around. And so, if you have fear or trepidation of engaging with like a literal like a whole world in front of you, gosh, that's just that's like deeply upsetting. Like this, I mean, this whole I hope this whole conversation isn't like deeply upsetting. I hope that like understanding that this is like happening helps people engage and more positively and maybe helps you keep your own checks in check, right? Yeah. Like, like uh, maybe I should just put that out there because I should. Because yeah. no matter what, people are going to say crazy things. So, Maria, I want to kind of circle back to uh, uh, kind of engaging on the internet and kind of steps forward. Um, first of all, do you, like, are you an internet commenter? Like, do you comment on stuff? I never comment on anything. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, that the the greatest extent to which I do it is within my, my networks. So yeah. on Facebook, on Twitter. People you know. But even then, I try to be very careful about it. Yeah. So if you see someone being, like, super crappy and maybe behaving in a way, like, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, like, What's your inclination? Like, is it a good idea to engage and call someone out? Like, does that just create, like, a spiral storm online? Like, what? I don't know. Do people need to be checked? Mm, is I it useless? What do you do? I don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I don't want to get pulled into that. I don't think it's productive. I think anonymity, uh, like, helps the people that perpetuate the bad behavior, but it hurts the people that call them out. This is not like a fully formed thought, but I think that if you have the ability to identify yourself, it helps you when you're calling other people out mm -hmm. because you're not another crazy random or something. Interesting. Maybe. That's interesting. But I just can't, I also just get exhausted from uh, arguments. So I don't like really engaging online. Like the longest email you'll ever receive from me is like five, five, five sentences max. Like I really can't muster up the strength to, to do any more than that. So if I don't do that for like my friends and family, I'm definitely not going to do it for some random person on the internet. Mm -hmm. But like maybe some people need to, maybe we just yeah. disengage. No, I mean, I do think that it's important to, um, boost the volume, yeah. right. Of certain, uh, official responses yeah. to large scale, um, misogyny or um, trolling mm -hmm. that you have a problem with, yeah. right? So when possible, I do try to show that I am on the side of people who are against misogynistic <laughs> trolling, right? Um, although I'm less likely to get into a personal flame war in comments or something yeah. like that with yeah. any individual, right? Yeah. Try to avoid that. 
Um, you know, one big event that happened this past summer um, and fall, which many people may have heard about, something called Gamergate, um, which is a whole series of events surrounding um, the work of a um, online blogger and video blogger called Anita Sarkeesian. She has um, a series of videos um, about pop culture through a feminist lens. Uh, they're called Tropes versus Women, and it's uh, part of her Feminist Frequency series. Um, and she um, raised Kickstarter funds recently to do a special Tropes versus Women series about gaming. Um, and she got so much harassment for this. Um, in fact, she had a great count counter response to the mm -hmm. harassment that she got um, when she tried to raise the funds through Kickstarter. She ended up raising, you know, over $150,000 more than what she originally had asked for mm -hmm. just because there were so many people supporting her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once she actually started putting out the videos, the harassment got completely out of control. Um, there were people threatening her life um, with her personal address listed, saying, mm -hmm. I'm outside of your house with a gun, you know, um, putting the phone number of her parents, people calling her family and harassing them. And then um, this past fall, she had to cancel an event at Utah State University um, because there was a school shooting threat uh, directed directly at her and those attending her talk. Um, and part of the statement by this threatener says, quote, I will write my manifesto in her spilled blood and you will all bear witness to what feminist lies and poison have done to the men of America. I literally can't imagine someone speaking that phrase, like any of that stuff. The way people write when they write threats like that, like literally I could not imagine a, even a crazy person saying that out loud. Just it's so strange. Out of control. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and you know, Sarkeesian said that, uh, Harassment is the background radiation of her life, you know? And so in a situation like that, do I want to get involved in that? Not really, <laughs> right? But I do post articles about her work yeah. and about the harassment that she receives and how outrageous it is. Yeah. And actually, when I posted some of that stuff... I got backlash. Stop it. Yeah, definitely. And um, from male gamer friends, yeah. um, you know, talking about the problems with her work, yeah. and you know, which I addressed yeah. with individuals. Um, and it, I think it managed to be relatively um, under control, but it was definitely a circumstance where I had to make a choice. Do I want to just not post it, not say anything about mm -hmm. it, or do I want to identify as part of the voices that yeah. are saying, what this person is doing is important, and those who are threatening her should not be allowed to stand. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about all of this, though, what, what is that? <laughs> one of the nice, one of the nice um, interpretations that I have heard about this huge rise of things like the men's rights movements, which you may have heard about. <laughs> I just I can't, even, um, right? Which is often is a space for a lot of this vitriol. Um, is, is that it's the kind of last dying gasp um, in a world that's changing. I'm okay with that. I'm super okay with yeah, that. Yeah, no, actually that, 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 that really resonates though, right? Like when people people act act out most when they feel like they're under siege. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is like despite like whatever, you know, challenges like women experience, I think momentum is good, right? Yeah. Like more and more people, you know, probably self-identify as feminists, whether or not they are is like a different story. But like, you know, I think it's a, they're, they really are clinging on to a way of life, a way of thinking and a way of being that may not be here in X number of years. Absolutely. And I mean, if we think about, you know, what can we do yeah. facing all of this, uh, you know, the dangers of, of online harassment for women, 
part of it is, you know, choosing your battles Mm -hmm. and being vocal in spaces where you think you can be safe. But also thinking about what we can do, you know, in our homes and in our communities to help continue this movement away from an expectation that women be silent and not have opinions and instead help to foster families, communities, classrooms, right, that value women's voices and treat their opinions and work as equally important. And hopefully over time, a lot of this will start to die down. So let's get on it, listener. Let's do all of that. Questions, comments, ideas, we'd love to hear from you at intheorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find past podcasts and more info about us at intheory.us. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and recommend us to any and all of your friends. In Theory is produced with the support of Experimental Humanities and Human Rights Radio at Bard College. Music composition and art designed by the fabulous Aaron Taylor Waldman. Thanks for listening.